G'day and welcome to the Head Shepherd Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Ferguson, CEO here at Next in Agri. I've worked in livestock research, farming and breeding for over 25 years. I've been very fortunate to see a lot of amazing places and meet a lot of wonderful people throughout that career. I'm reminded every day of just how awesome the livestock industry really is. It really is a great pleasure to bring you the stories and wisdom of the people in the industry via the Head Shepherd Podcast. This podcast is supported by our good friends at Allflex and MSD Animal Health, who are guided by the one mission of the science of healthy and productive animals. For these two companies now combined, they have one of the widest product portfolios in Australasia with a comprehensive lineup from the Cooper's range of animal health products through to the ID and monitoring solutions that, that Allflex are famous for. Their products are all backed up by their exceptional service, and we're thrilled to continue to have their support in bringing you this podcast each week. If I could ask a couple of small favours before we get underway this week, if you could rate this podcast in the app that you're listening to it in, that would be fantastic. Also, if you know someone that you think would enjoy what we do here, please share the show links with them. Finally, if you are listening to this podcast, you're probably a big fan of livestock farming. We're setting up the Next Gen Agri Hub to be the home of livestock farming conversations. Check it out at thehub.nextgenagri.com. Okay, it's time for this week's guest. Welcome back to Head Shepherd. This is a bonus episode this week as we uh, migrate between Season 8 and Season 9. Some fantastic guests coming up on Season 9 and some pretty cracking ones in, in Season 8 as well. Hope you're enjoying it still. This week we've, we're pulling together a couple of episodes that we published on what we called Head Shepherd Radio, which is now Head Shepherd Premium, which has been our internal podcast for, for members that any on-farm clients or any hub members have been had access to for a little while now. The last year or so, we're in the process of cranking that up properly. We'll be releasing uh, an episode every week and and uh, yeah, have additional material that, that goes out there. For those of you who love listening to Head Shepherd, then that might be a place that, that you'll consider going and, and getting a bit more more action. We'll be uh, yeah, doubling up on the amount of podcasts we release and we'll also have transcripts of all the podcasts in that in that area as well on the hub. This week, we thought we'd pull together a couple of the ones that we recorded a while back. So we went through and did a whole trait series. So we went through every trait, not every trait, but a lot of the traits that might be important uh, and sort of explained them to a 10-minute-odd podcast on each trait. And so for this week, we've pulled together a couple of those. We've pulled together fat and and CV, coefficient of variation of fibre diameter, and that might be seem like a weird one. and But as you'll hear, that's it's quite cool. It's correlated with lots of stuff. So, yeah, a couple of... Interesting time in the industry. A lot of people still out there trying to, uh, I guess, discredit the the progress we've made around fat in in merino sheep, particularly. People really, I guess, yeah, continuing to talk about how it's not correlated with the reproduction. Clearly, when you run sheep under commercial conditions and and their condition score is uh, is at at risk because of nutrition, then having a trait that's favourably correlated with condition score is going to be pretty handy for reproduction and that's what we see commercially when we see out there on on farms. We Obviously, that's not often reflected in research environments or in soil evaluation where different genotypes are thrown together and the management is often overly fat or non-commercial and, and so we don't see those same things playing out and that, that makes good sense. So... We've always said that fat's important when times are tough and not, not that handy when times are good, and that's exactly what we will say today. So enjoy these couple of episodes. Uh, they're both linked to the whole body energy, which is why I've pulled them together. Whole body energy is, I guess, 
crudely speaking, if you picked up a sheep and threw it in a mincer and and then calculated the total amount of energy, that's that's what we're talking about. Obviously, largely driven by fat and both coefficient of variation and and subcutaneous fat depth, which we have in in both of those, have a breeding value uh, are linked to or are correlated with whole body energy and. And yeah, it's intriguing this this area of work. There's the GPEP project going on, which is funded by AWI. And uh, looking into this a bit further, there's a lot of lot of need to do more work in this area. A lot of the work, unfortunately, gets done in weathers, and and we don't don't see the see it done in in breeding ewes, which is really where you need fat. And as you go through those cycles of reproduction, and you're producing heaps of twins. Uh, you need you need those stores to to get get back into back back in lamb. So yeah, anyway, really interesting traits. Obviously, traits that I talk about a fair bit. But I uh, thought you might enjoy these these couple of bonus bonus chats. We'll be back the week after with some with our great lineup of of guests with our normal back to the normal podcast and Hedge of a Premium will launch this week as well. So we'll uh, we'll yeah, there'll be potential to access those those uh, additional episodes get in touch with us if if you want to know more about that but yeah thanks very much for for listening thanks very much for for sticking with us and yeah we're we're loving the the feedback we get and and love to keep that keep that coming so thanks very much we'll uh we'll hope you enjoy these these couple of episodes cheers welcome back to head shepherd radio internal podcast for next gen agri members and members of the hub uh, this week we're talking about coefficient of variation, so we continue on our breeding series, coefficient of variation of fibre diameter, or CV as we often refer to it, uh, is something that those people producing fine wool will see on their wool tests and will know a bit about. Uh, if you're a lamb production specialist, you might not talk too much about CV at all. Coefficient of variation of fibre diameter is essentially the, if you imagine the histogram of, of fibre diameter, so well, we often think about a sheep as being 16 micron, 17 micron, 20 micron. In reality, they're actually that's the average micron that they are, but they actually have a big spread of fibers from often from eight or nine or ten micron right through to thirty micron on depending on on which animal. It might be even stronger than thirty out of thirty micron. So you've got this big range of of fiber diameter within a mean fiber diameter, which is what we quote as our micron. And the broader that is, the higher the CV. So the higher the coefficient of variation, the wider that spread of micron is, and so that has implications. Uh, for processing, tend to low CV wools tend to process better. There's less wastage in those wools. The something that you might have seen is called spinning fineness, which is when you go from from raw wool through to through to yarn. It's how much or what the micron of what's left when you get through to that uh, through that process. And what we we know is that low CV wools, so, so wools that have low coefficient of variation, tend to uh, spin finer than than those that have a high coefficient of variation. So CV is considered in the um, calculation of hauteur, which is which is again an estimate of what's happening through processing, and that's what your wool buyers are using to to estimate the sort of value of the clip, because obviously the micron, staple length, staple strength, CV, all these things come into the, the hauteur calculation, which ultimately determines that, how that can be spun and and therefore what what products it can go into and therefore its value. So when we get down to on-farm though, so what it's obviously a, a trait that's important for uh, for the trade, but actually it's a trait that's really exciting in terms of uh, breeding, in terms of farm wool, because of, mostly because of what it's correlated with, I suppose, and 
and whether it's causation or correlation, uh, it is it is quite a, a handy handy trait when we consider all the different correlations that we have with it. So it's measured. It comes for free. It's measured when you measure your fibre diameter. You'll get um, when you when you submit a sample for fibre diameter testing, you'll get CV as a as a bonus. You get both standard deviation and coefficient of variation, and both are pretty much just well, they are exactly the measure of that histogram to determine how wide that spread is. So it comes for for nothing in terms of a breeding value. So that raw CV gets converted into uh, into a breeding value, as as with all the breeding values, it, it's uh, it's based on zero. So the more negative the breeding value, the better the coefficient of variation, or the better the genetics of that animal are for coefficient of variation. So we're often looking for a low a low number, a small number, a big negative. And so I think the best out there is probably minus four point something at the moment. But lots of animals are in the sort of minus point five to minus two range, um, and we tend to be focusing on those animals. You can't really pick it. We often think that the well-aligned fibre, um, where you can really see crimp definition, is going to be low CV. But um, I've spent a fair bit of time looking at um, low CV sheep because of a couple of breeders that really focus on it, one of them being Marina Tech WA. Um, through their focus on staple strength, have ended up with a fair bit of low CV um, genetics as well, and there's others around there. And it's not that obvious to pick, like any trait, really difficult to pick uh, by eye. Um, and even if you looking at a raw number or a measurement of CV, it's impacted by how much you've, or the variation in feed throughout that fleece has grown. So if an animal has put a lot of weight on and grown and over throughout that fleece, then you'll have a big range in fibre diameter and therefore, or bigger than normal range in fibre diameter and therefore bigger than normal CV. So it is impacted by by nutrition. Um, so we, again, the breeding value is, is the best way to go. If you want to make change in this trait, you have to use a breeding value to make significant change. So you're wondering, I guess, at this point, what's in it for me because we've talked about the processes and, and you, you'll get a little bit of wool value uh, from it. But in terms of, I guess, things that, that are directly going to impact on you, there's, there's quite a number. Low CV is, is correlated with reducing the likelihood of fleece rot and therefore body strike. So low CV wools tend to be less likely to get, to get fleece rot and then that flowing through to body strike. So that's, that's a definite win, particularly in uh, recording this in autumn of 2022 when uh when there's been a fair bit of fly pressure through through uh well summer and autumn in in australia particularly but also in new zealand so low cvs tend to be uh tend to be better in those under those conditions so something to aim for we're also seeing now that it's uh, genetically correlated with animals that can cope better with a restricted nutrition uh, particularly what we will commonly see in summer in in australia and maybe winter in new zealand uh, so the work that was that's been conducted by Andrew Thompson and uh, the late Sarah Bloomer and and the team there have have shown that uh, low CV animals or those with a low CV breeding value tend to have greater whole body energy, tend to be those that can maintain uh, yeah more fat in their body through those restricted times. So something that's really interesting. The free lunches that go with CV are, are many, and so that is all the genetic correlation. So if CV is going down, then muscling is going up. Resistance to worms is improving. An animal is getting genetically fatter. We've got that correlation with staple strength that we talked about last week. Low CV equals high staple strength. There's a favourable correlation with growth. And what I've already talked about is less fleece rot and body strike. So the whole range of things there that, that low CV will, or selecting for low CV is, uh, is a good thing. Um, the only one to watch out for is that 
you tend to have lower fleece weight. So selecting for low CV tends to end up with a with a low uh, low fleece weight. So that's uh, that's a bit of a negative, but that's one that we can definitely manage. So that's a bit of a wrap on CV, a short one. Uh, I think it's our second last wool trade for a while. Um, but yeah, I think I've, I've been on record to say if I could only have one trade, I would select for CV because it's the cheapest, it's very easy to measure, and it's so nicely correlated with everything. It's there's hardly anything that, that goes against goes against it. So it's one that we probably should start to put a bit more emphasis on if you're not already. Cheers, thanks, uh, thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with another another in the breeding series. Cheers. Welcome back to Head Shepherd Radio. We're continuing on our breeding series. Uh, we're we're through a fair few trades, but we've got plenty to come. Uh, and hopefully you're enjoying uh, having a bit of a chat about each of these traits, learning a bit a little, a little bit as we go, and uh, and hopefully uh, hopefully that continues. So this week we're on to, I don't know, it could be my favourite, second favourite trade. I say that every time, but Calicus Fatness. Uh, again, I did a lot of work on this in my PhD, and at the time and still in New Zealand, there was this sort of negative selection pressure on on maternal sheep for fatness, same in cattle. Really interesting that we that we think a maternal animal would want less fat. Um, it's been a bit of a hangover of obviously uh, breeding base or started in in cattle and terminal type breeds, maybe in sheep. Not started, but that's where it got most of its traction. So we sort of almost just accepted that the direction of selection would be the same as it was in those terminal type animals. But obviously that's not the case. We need maternal animals to have fat because fat is what drives that reproductive performance. Uh, fat is what drives the, what enables an animal to go through a series of of different seasons where you can put fat on through the good times and then you're utilising that fat through the through the poor times. And that's not sort of feast or famine. That's just normal life in, on a farm where you're shifting spring into autumn uh, by carrying it on the animal is the idea. So... Talked about muscling last week, but carcass fatness is measured at the same time by ultrasound. Again, it's corrected for body weight. It's it's measured over the loin, so it's that little bit of fat that sits over the top of the chop. Um, generally, in terminal and maternal animals, we're looking at post-weaning fat depth. It's measured in millimetres. It's quoted in millimetres uh, in, in Australia, at least. You'll see that in your maternal and terminal uh, catalogues is that P fat, um, post-weaning fat. In our merino final type catalogues, normally you're looking at a yearling number. Um, obviously, it's just a slightly later, later measurement of the same thing. Um, again, it's between the 12th and 13th long ribs. It's measured by ultrasound, measured by accredited scanners, uh, measured in mills, and and is the depth in mills that we see in the breeding bay. Uh, can you see it? No, you can't. Well, you sort of can because animals are doing better, but it's very subtle unless you've got your hands on them. And again, you can definitely feed on fat or you can breed on fat. And if you don't know the nutritional history of an animal, then you you're up, uh, make it very difficult to to f- to find those animals that are that are genetically fatter. Um, I spent a fair bit of my career trying to second guess the system and try and find animals that uh, are pretty good for these sort of traits, but generally I get let down because there's just too much error in that decision. Using a breeding value removes the error. Error is the enemy of genetic gain, so we've got to get ourselves in a position of, of strength, which is using the breeding values. And, and so you'll see the odd catalogue where they're quoting six or seven mils of fat or eight mils of fat or whatever. A raw number tells you nothing. You need a breeding value to actually work out whether that animal's superior or not. A, you've got to correct it for live weight. B, you've got to correct it for a single twin. C, you've got to correct it for the age of the animal. 
D, you got to correct it for Age of Dam. There's so many things that could be impacting on that raw number that's just uh, almost not worth a piece of paper it's written on. We're not interested in fat for fat's sake. We're interested in fat because of all the wonderful things it does, um, all the things that it allow- enables in our production system, in particularly in well, the areas that I've worked, which is across Australia and New Zealand, where in Australia it's often a hot, dry summer that is the limiting factor. In New Zealand, it tends to be a long, cold winter that's the, the same thing where nutrition is restricted, 100-day winter. Um, we get no grass or no growth is is pretty tough on animals because a you're you're losing energy from that cold as well as you've, there's no grass growing, uh, and equally the the heat in summer in Australia where you get at least a hundred days of sort of fairly hot dry conditions which is um, and often often one and a half or two times that in terms of the length so yeah tough on sheep but finding animals or finding animals with higher fat we see time and time again that those animals are the ones that maintain weight throughout the those tough periods so there's no doubt that it's got some intermediate optimum somewhere we couldn't just keep selecting for high fat and higher and higher in fat and think that that's going to be a good thing obviously at some point it becomes inefficient to lay down more fat because we're better off putting that energy into production um, i don't think we've necessarily met that or understood that yet what we knew, do know in terminals that uh where we're so in terminals you're selecting for an optimum definitely and if you're going for heavy carcass weights over big use then you'll have a lower breeding value for fat you might be into the negatives for the breeding value for fat for that production system but if you're going over merinos with those terminals um, that are a bit of a lean merino then you might have a positive fat selection on those in those terminals so definitely horses for courses there and then in our maternal animals um, at the moment it's pretty much just been increase it with balance in in muscle balance in growth balance in fleece weight if it's a fine wool so we're, we're we're increasing it but with with care to make sure other traits come at the same time the really cool thing with fat is it's it is a very highly correlated or highly correlated with whole body energy and so it is a, it's a good measure of the store of energy of of a, of a you and we know that that whole body energy is what she can draw on to get her through the the tough times what we hear out in the industry is that high fat animals are inefficient and it's sort of the opposite to that um there it is inefficient to lay down fat it's expensive to lay down fat but generally you're laying it down at a period where you've got uh, no shortage of feet so you're laying it down in spring and your biggest problem in spring is actually utilising the, the quality or keeping the quality up by utilising the grass. So you're not actually looking for an animal that's more efficient, that's going to eat less to do the same. You're looking at an animal that will mop up grass and turn it into energy or storage so that you can actually suck on that later. So that's that's um, the beautiful thing about fat. You could be mowing all that grass and putting it in a pit or you could have animals that are laying onto their back, the animals, the haystack on their back, carry that around and then, and then mobilise that later on. Uh, and obviously you're generally doing a combination of both, but... Um, but those animals, that, and we know that now from the work that the late Sarah Bloomer and, and Tomo have done, is that uh, that live weight gain isn't all the same. Some animals will lay down just lean tissue and essentially look like they're putting on weight, but they're not putting on any energy and they're not increasing their whole body energy, whereas some animals, the genetically fat ones, are actually laying down that, that fat, which is which is pretty much pure energy, really efficient to get that back out of the depot and into the into the maintenance requirement of an animal. Um, so yeah, it's a it's a it's a great trait to to improve. And so what we know now that is it's favourably correlated with reproductive components when things are bad. So under under poor nutrition, it's highly correlated with reproduction. Under poor nutrition, it's fairly it's highly correlated with lamb birth weight. Um, so the fatter the animal, the better all that goes. 
Um, whereas in the same mobs, if they're under good nutrition, so a better year, then you have no impact. So it's a beautiful insurance policy. Um, the other, well, probably the number one trait that it gives you is, is stocking rate. Animals that may naturally maintain high fat can actually be, be run at higher stocking rates because they're naturally um, keeping up. They're naturally in good condition. And what we know is that um, by being fat early, by laying down that fat early, that they've in early in their life they've laid down that extra fat, and then they're actually more efficient. So every uh, because they've got higher f- higher fatness, they're actually their maintenance requirements are reduced because the maintenance requirements of lean tissue is higher than that of fat. It's very cheap to maintain fat. You don't actually have to turn it over; it just sits there and cruises around. Yeah, so it's so it's such a win win for getting fatness into maternal sheep. So in terms of things to watch for, obviously you don't want to go too extreme, so you're pushing carcass fatness out the top, so you're getting pinged for um, off the grid. But that's really, we haven't, when I model it out, you very rarely see that, and that's only if you haven't got enough growth balance with it or you're not actually matching your genotype to your kill time. So generally that's not a massive problem. One thing to watch is definitely fleece weight. Uh, if you go flat out selection for fatness and forget about fleece weight, uh, the correlations are a bit gnarly against you that you'll lose a bit of fleece weight. Um, you have to make a determination whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, or you have to do the effort to make sure you don't do that. You select the animals that have both, and they're definitely out there and increasing all the time. 17 years ago when I started this work, there was very few high-fat animals, particularly in the farmal sector that I was looking at. Bugger all of them around. Uh, and so, But now you can sort of go to lots of different studs, uh, many of them that we're very proud to work with that, that have – Catalogs full of decent fat and data, and and you can sort of select decent wool within those those animals. So yeah, it's sort of the world is your oyster in terms of where you go with this trait. Um, the free lunches, higher birth weight under low nutrition, more lambs born under low nutrition, uh, favorably correlated with coefficient of fiber diameter or CV, which we talked about the other day. Uh, favorably correlated with intramuscular fat or IMF, um, which is marbling, and therefore highly correlated with or favorably correlated with eating quality. It's also, again, favourably correlated with dressing percentage. So it's a great trait uh, for maternal animals. It's something that we have to, to work out where your optimum is in terminal animals and, and maybe even maternals. But in formal animals, it's uh, it's helpful to get it up there at the moment. Anyway, that's that's it for fat. I could talk about it all day. It's, uh, yeah, we I am absolutely convinced if we could get the whole industry to put another mill of fat across all the maternal sheep, in, in Australia and New Zealand that we'd be such a better so so better off uh, and, and that's sort of a little bit of part of our mission well that rounds out that bonus episode of Head Shepherd hopefully you've enjoyed those couple of couple of different discussions there around around those traits and I uh, can see Bay if there's the rest of that series is uh, is available on Head Shepherd Premium where we've already recorded all those different uh, discussions on traits so if that's something that's of interest jump on the hub nextgenagri.com and uh, navigate through to to Head Shepherd Premium if you'd if you'd like to get in there. Otherwise, uh, we'll look forward to being back with you next week with the first of season nine. Cheers! Thanks for listening to the Head Shepherd Podcast. If you enjoy listening in each week, please take a moment to subscribe or even give us a review. That'd be fantastic. And if you do get a moment to share it with your networks, we'd also love that so that we can share these great stories with more people. Thanks again to our friends at Allflex for sponsoring this episode. Allflex are wonderful supporters of the Australian and New Zealand livestock industries. Combined now with MSD Animal Health, they offer one of New Zealand and Australia's largest livestock product portfolios, focused on animal health and management. 
all backed up by that exceptional service. We really do enjoy our long-term association with Allflex and thank them very much for, for again supporting us with bringing this podcast to you.